the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Last week, we took a look at Revelation chapter 3. Uh, today, we're going to look at chapter 4. We, we might get in to chapter 5 a little bit. Uh, I know I, I haven't had um, uh, Sage Bridges back on, and I just texted him and apologized. I have been so busy with kids' birthdays and Getting ready with my my mom coming out here to visit the grandkids and trying to get everything everything ready with that. I, I just haven't had time to to get that set up each week. So I'm hoping and Lord willing, if He blesses this, I can have Sage back on with us next week. But until then, I want to keep working through Revelation here as well. So we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter. You know, I, actually, let me go to this first. I want to remind you again to please go to our website, www.nvcoc.net. And if you click on that radio mic, you'll see this program, all my previous programs. If you want to catch up on the Revelation studies or catch the lessons I've done on gun control and um, Romans 14 and the American Revolution, which I think that was a great episode, and many, many other things. I'm also posting things on Facebook as well, and I need to get that put up on the uh, the site as well, so you can click over there. And I like having that because people are more inclined to comment on uh, on these programs there. So maybe you can take a look at that as well, and I need to get that up on the website. So please do that. Let us know what you think. And I, I made some of my programs based on the feedback I got on the gun control. I was only going to do one episode. But uh, I got a, a lot of feedback, and so I felt inclined to answer some of those questions in another program, and that's what I really want to do. I like that kind of engagement. So if you have questions on that, questions on anything that's going on in the news, and you're concerned, like you're wondering, what does the Bible say on these sort of things, leave me a message, let me know, and I will get something put together for you here. But until then, let's take a look at Revelation chapter 4. This is only a few verses, but it's an important chapter. All of them are, and don't ever get scared of studying the book of Revelation. This is a book of encouragement. That's what it's intended to be. In fact, the book, the name Revelation comes from the Greek word apokalepo, which we get our word apocalypse. And I was asking um, a friend of mine about that word just the other day. I asked him, what do you think apocalypse means? He smiled, looked at me, and said, you know, the first thing that pops in my mind is that movie, Apocalypse Now. That's a war movie. You think of explosions and death and tribulation. And that is not 
what apocalypse means. It simply means to lay bare the truth, to show you the reality of things. And that's what this letter is all about. God wants people to see, especially the days of John, even for us today, the reality. It may look like you're losing in the world because of the persecution or the death or or whatever might be happening, but the reality is you win in Christ. Everyone in Christ wins. Just hold firm, stand fast. So let's start here in chapter 4. Let's look at verses 1 through 4 first. John writes, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardis in in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, like like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and a golden and golden crowns on their heads. So here he is. John is uh, going to be given a view, and he sees a door standing open there in verse one. This is an opportunity to look into the glories. Of heaven. Remember, this is a vision. And so this is not an actual description of God, but it's a way to picture, help him to see the glory of God. So that's what he's seeing, I think. Verse 2, he's in the spirit. This simply means he's not there physically. It, he's there spiritually. Not the third person of the Godhead, Holy Spirit, but John's spirit. That's who went up there. And he's at the throne. He sees that throne. That's a symbol of ruling. And note that it is standing in heaven and not on the earth. That's where the throne is. One sitting on the throne. That's God Almighty. We'll see that in verse 8 here in just a moment. Now the terms used in verse 3 are not those descriptive of humans or personalities, but things that are descriptive of glory. All right, a jasper stone, a sardis. A jasper, um, perhaps like a diamond, it symbolizes God's majesty, his holiness. A sardis is red, maybe indicating judgment. God doesn't tolerate sin, perhaps. The rainbow, uh, green in color, which may indicate grace and hope. Certainly the, the bow is a symbol of God's mercy and grace. It declares that the storm is over and promises that God keeps his covenant. The storm of persecution may presently reign in the lives of Christians, but God holds the rainbow of peace. Yeah, I like that. That's verse 3. Verse 4. You have those 24 elders. Now, there's various views and interpretations given. Some folks think that, uh, that it is the 24 orders of priests, 
from First Chronicles chapter 24. Uh, I think that we are looking at a symbol here. You have the 12 patriarchs, or maybe the 12 tribes, of the Old Testament, and the 12 apostles of the New Testament. In other words, these 24 represent the leaders of God's people in all generations. And just all the people of God. Those who are under the Old Covenant, you know, are symbolized by the the beginnings of the 12 tribes. Those who of us who are under the New Covenant were following the words of Jesus' apostles who wrote those these things down and taught them after his ascension. Those are the, the 12 elders. So you get those 24. So it's all-encompassing of both the Old and the New. You have them sitting on thrones. This points us to ruling. Now, it may appear on earth that Rome is winning or whatever, you know, that, that Satan is winning, but we can rest assured as to who will rule in the end. See, I think that's what's being said there. White garments, the holiness, their purity, and they have golden crowns. That's the victory crown there. They have the victory crown. And that's the first four verses of chapter 4. Look at, uh, let's go ahead and just read 5 through 11 next, the rest of the chapter. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf. And the third creature had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders will fall down before him, who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. Awesome view. Wow. So up there in verse 5, you have uh, the lightning, the thunder. These are above human control. And it expresses the omnipotence of God. They are a fearful exhibition of God's great power. You have the seven lamps and the seven spirits of God, uh, which refers to the Holy Spirit. Uh, We'll get that here in a second. The seven spirits are the full complement of God's spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the power and the presence of God. The full range of his 
attributes. Now, I know many want to say that that is the third person of the Godhead. That's fine. But that is how I interpret the word spirit here. It's the seven spirits of God. It's his. It's his mind and heart. In this case, it's his power that goes forth from him. And that's how the Jews have always understood that throughout the Old Testament. And I I think that's how it should be seen here. I could be wrong, and that's okay. And uh, I don't think it's a salvation issue. Verse 6. You have this this, uh, sea of glass that's like crystal. Some think of the victory at the Red Sea... Others view this as stressing God's holiness. I think that this sea uh, uh, denotes a separation from God due to his holiness. We cannot approach him. We can't do it. And this is going to be more significant as we work through Revelation. There's going to be a moment where the, the saints are there on the sea of glass. And uh, I think that's significant, and that plays a part of how did we get there? We couldn't do it on our own, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But I think this is signifying that we can't get to the throne. There's a separation there. Uh, the four living creatures, this is interesting, uh, may point us to the angelic host, four, having to do with the earth. Uh, numbers have a lot of symbol, uh, uh, symbolism in the book of Revelation, you had the four corners of the earth, so these creatures denoting their created nature, but intended somehow to benefit earth. Their living uh, elevates them above inanimate creation and denotes activity on their part. Uh, again, interpretations vary. One view uh, says they all represent Christ as he was on earth, lion of the tribe of Judah, the calf and his sacrifice, man uh, to his humanity, an eagle of his victorious ascension. Well, I don't think so. I think this just has to do with the created order. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, we'll talk, I'll talk more about that here in a second. Uh, they have eyes in front and behind, uh, the, the ability to see all. In verse 7, that's where you have the like a lion, like a calf, face like a man, uh, a flying eagle. You know, a lion... That points me, in my mind, where do you find lions? They're in the wild places of the earth, right? And also it points to the strength and courage. You have the calf. That points us to domesticated places of earth. And it also signifies service. You have the face like a man. That points to the human dwelling places and to intelligence. And then the eagle points to the heavenly places and to swiftness. And so I wonder if that's just how we're supposed to view this, the created order of things. Maybe not order, but the creation as a whole, bringing things before God. So not only do you have the people of God symbolized in the 24 elders, but you even have the created order. Because, you know, creation is personified many times throughout the Bible, and it groans and moans to the Lord because it's how it's being abused by us and by sin, and it wants to be cleansed. Uh, so I, I wonder if that's what this signifies. But I, I don't, I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Verse 8. They have six wings. Oh, man. This reminds us of the four-winged beings of Ezekiel 1. The seraphim, Isaiah 6. The cherubim over the Ark of the Covenant in Exodus 25. Uh, now, these have six wings. Six uh, usually refers to man. 
because we were created on the sixth day. And it may indicate that these creatures exist to benefit man. We know that the angelic host was created to render service to man too, right? Hebrews 1.14, maybe that's what's going on here. And they're, they're uh, calling out, crying out, holy, holy, holy to the Lord. God is continually exalted by these creatures. His holiness seems to be the theme of all chapter 4. Look at verse 9. Glory, honor, and thanks. Acknowledging God's divinity is bestowing upon him the reverence due to him, offering him the gratitude that all creation owes him. Verse 10. They fall down, giving homage and reverence and submission to the one on the throne. Uh, This is the 24 elders. Uh, They cast their crowns before the throne. That's acknowledgement that their victory is not their own, but they get it from God. It is from him, and they owe it all to to God. And in verse 11, he's worthy. This is a song of creation. Create means to call into existence out of nothing. God has accomplished something that is, is incomprehensible. To our human mind. He is above everything on earth. He is worthy of all glory. Now note this. That to a persecuted Christian. Especially in the days of John. To a persecuted Christian. This vision would offer comfort. For an ultimate victory. The central point seems to be. That God is at the center of the universe. Not the emperor of Rome. God is eternal. He has created everything that exists. He holds all authority and power over every created thing. He may execute judgment and mercy in any direction. Christians may have confidence when they trust in him who sits on the heavenly throne. Christians may also learn patience in enduring whatever may be handed to them on earth knowing that whether under the authority of the patriarchs of old or the apostles of the church, they will ultimately be victorious. How awesome is that? Now that's chapter 4. Let's go ahead. We've got time. Let's get started in chapter 5. We're not going to get through all of this. But let's start by looking at verses 1 through 5, and we'll go from there and see how much time we got left. Revelation 5, starting at verse 1. This is John. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Then I began to weep greatly. Because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, 
the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. All right, verse 1. You got the book literally means a scroll. Uh, so it is the book here or the scroll here. With, what this represents is the mind of God. These are his thoughts that are there. This is why John weeps. Man, he, don't you want to know the mind and heart of God on the matters of earth? Which we'll, we'll get into in a second. It's written inside and on the back, indicating nothing could be added to it. It's filled up. It is sealed up with seven seals. Sealed. It, the contents are hidden. Yet the seals indicate that the proper authority could open the scroll and reveal its contents. That's what seals are. Seals are often used to conceal information for your eyes only in government issues, uh, denoting only specifically authorized personnel had the right to open the documents. And you have seven seals. Seven denotes the numbers of God and earth. God, God's number in the symbology of a number is three for the Godhead. And also earth is the number four, the four corners of the earth. We'll see more of that as we work through Revelation. And so when you add those together, it's seven. And here it represents God's complete will for earth. Wouldn't you like to know what that is? And that's why John weeps. Oh, no! can't anybody take a look at that? Can anyone read that to let us know what God wants of us? So it's his complete will. It represents all that God has in mind for his creation. This would include not only the concept of man's redemption in Christ, but also what is to come. Gee, I wonder what that scroll represents. It's his word. Verse 2. You have the strong angel... Uh, you know, who is this? We don't know. Uh, could this be Michael? Maybe, you know, from Jude 9? Don't know. And he says, who is worthy to open? That is, who has the authority to reveal what God has in mind for the earth? Well, <laughs> no one in heaven, no created being, that is, of the angelic host, none of them are worthy. They can't do it. All right, let's look down here on earth. Nope. No living human on earth is worthy. Well, what about under the earth? You know, the Hadean realm of the departed spirits. Anyone worthy there? No. No one's worthy. No one's worthy to open and look, pointing us to revealing the contents. Who among God's creatures has insight into the plans of God? No created being knows the mind of God unless it is revealed to him. So there's weeping in verse 4. It's disappointment. It is grief because it appears that God's will, what God has in mind for man, is going to remain hidden. So I can understand John's weeping here. But then one of the elders, who is this? Don't know. Difficult to say. There are 24 of these elders, both of the old and new. Um, we, just, we just don't know. And so one of them comes over to speak to John uh, and lets him know uh, who is authorized, lets him know that there is an, uh, someone authorized to reveal the mind. And it's the, it is the lion that is from the tribe of Judah. Obviously messianic description. 
of the Christ. Jesus is of the tribe of Judah. The root of David, again, another clear indication of the Messiah. And he's the one that overcomes. It speaks of his victory, ultimately won at Calvary. His presence in the heavenly throne room indicates his victory. If defeated, he would have remained in the grave. But he overcame law by keeping it perfectly, sin by refusing Satan's temptations, and death by means of the resurrection. These are the enemies and the hindrances of man in our relationship with God. This victory of Jesus and the removal of human obstacles is what God had in mind from the beginning. His defeat would have disqualified him from revealing the mind of God. His victory shows that he is the only one worthy or capable of revealing God's eternal purpose. And that's the first few verses there. And there's going to be more spoken of here about uh, the Lamb and of Christ. But we're not going to have time to get into that here. So we'll do that. Well, I guess we may just do that next week. Maybe I'll have a sage come on. And we'll go over the rest of chapter 5. I'll see if he'd be willing to do that. Uh, if not, that's okay. I'll do it at another time and throw it in there. And we'll, we'll do something different with sage. Well, we're going to be going ahead and wrapping this up a little early. But I hope everyone's having a good day. Let's hope that we get some rain here in Phoenix. But if you're listening to this online, man, I appreciate that. Thank you for being here and listening. Let me know your comments. If you're listening to this on Facebook, click on uh, the comment section. Tell me what you think. What did you, was it enough information? Do you have any questions? Feel free to put those in there, and I will answer your questions. And there's no dumb, well, well, there's no dumb question. I won't abuse you. I won't name you by name, and I won't make you feel ignorant. I will do my best to answer every question with, with uh, great care and, and love and kindness. I want your engagement. I want to know your thoughts on these things. And if you're hearing this on the radio in your car, please go to our website, www.nvcoc.net. Click on that radio mic. Take a listen. And I'm going to try to get our Facebook page up on there so you can come over there and leave me a message. As always, make the most of every opportunity, folks, to what God has put before us. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you in your endeavors to be more like Christ. Sinning up to sweep away till Shaddam the better day. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.